If you have your Bible in Luke 15, let's look and see what it says. I want to read this for you, the first two verses of Luke 15, just to tee it back up, and I want to read it from a different translation. And here's what it says. By this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. And it says here, the Pharisees and religious scholars were not sinners. I mean, they were not pleased, not pleased at all. And they growled within themselves. And they said, he takes in sinners and eats meals with them like old friends. And their grumbling triggered Jesus to tell a story. Remember, the whole thing is about the power of a story. How stories have so much power. So in verse 3, he moves and he tells them a story. And here's what it says. What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the ninety-nine in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, and coming home, he calls all his friends and neighbors together, saying to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I will tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous ones. Now, the key to the text is what I just read. The last verse, verse 7. I tell you that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous ones. Now, I want to really unpack this for us today. Because I think when we normally hear preaching on this, we really miss the point of what Jesus is really trying to drive home here. Remember, why would he use the illustration of 99 righteous ones and then one lost sinner? There's more joy in heaven. Now think about that. That would almost be uh, absurd to think about 90. We're not, we're not thinking about 99 saved folks who's been bought with the blood of the Lamb and sealed with the Spirit. That's the realm that our human mind goes to. But then to think that there would be no rejoicing over all of the 99 and there would just be rejoicing over one. The last verse in verse 7 takes us all the way back to Luke chapter 14, which brought up all of these stories to start with. What was the story? He was invited in by the religious group. You remember that? RSVP, VIP crowd only. You had to be part of the elite to get in. If you didn't have an invitation, you weren't coming in. And if you came in, there'd be somebody to escort you out. And then he went out of that story in that same passage. He went out. It wasn't a parable. And he was surrounded by all the broken people. So he was surrounded by the religious and he was surrounded by the broken. And in the process of it, he's driving home the point that you folks are surrounded by truth, but you've lost compassion. You're surrounded by religion, but you have no relationship. Are you with me, church? You're surrounded by religion. You may know all of the law. You may understand the Torah. You may know everything that Moses taught you about. But you have no 
compassion. You see, the very fact that I am surrounded... Now let's go back to the thing I read you, Luke 15 and verse 1. By this time, men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus. Now, stay with me for one moment. Because over here, they was in the, the cone of security. They was in the process of isolation from broken people, from people who were drug addicts, from people who were drunkards, from people who were adulterers. We're religious. We're prestigious. Now, Jesus had a saying that he thought about those folks really clearly. The Bible says that he, he said, you're really kind of like uh, whitewashed tombs. You're, you're pretty and clean on the outside, but you're really dead and stinking on the inside. And what he's driving home here is that he's surrounded by men and women of doubtful reputation. Stay with me. You with me? You with me? All right. So he's surrounded by all these people of doubtful reputation. The, the religious is growling with indignation, saying, I can't believe he would treat all sinners like all friends. And so then Jesus tells them the story of the good shepherd who has a hundred sheep. And then one of them goes astray and he leaves 99 to go for the one. And then at the end of the story, he brings home the powerful punch. And he says, I'll tell you, there is more joy in heaven over one little lost lamb that comes back, over one sinner that repents, than over 99 that are righteous. You see, the difference is not... Our self-righteousness, not man-made righteousness, not, in, not, not the righteousness of religion, but imputed righteousness. You say imputed righteousness, what are you talking about, preacher? That it's been imputed to us. The righteousness of God was imputed to our account, which means to be charged to. If you lived in Bible times and they had uh credit cards back then you would say impute this to my account now that doesn't make a lot of sense for us today but that's how it happened charge it to my account therefore we have people over here and this other group who have a lot of righteousness they have a lot of self-righteousness they have a lot of religious righteousness they have the garment of religion the robe of religion the stance of religion the speech of religion the song of religion the practice of religion the principles of religion but they have no righteousness because righteousness cannot come from the law but it comes through Jesus Christ who fulfilled the law for us amen are you with me so far and so now we're not talking about 99 broken doomed damn sinners who now said I want to have a relationship with the holy God we're talking about a whole group of people who are wandering around in self-imputed righteousness and not Christ-imputed righteousness now here's a big distinction. So he tells them there will be more joy in heaven over one tax collector who gives his heart to Jesus and receives the imputed righteousness of a holy God than over 99 people playing church. And the very fact that it makes you growl inside of yourself that I'm just in the presence of sinners really magnifies the problem that you want to have a not a sanctified life, but a sanitary life. Oh, can I lean in a little bit here for a minute? You see, we want our, we want our church to be sanitary. 
Well, I'm going to tell you something. You may need a sanitary operating room. You may need a sanitary delivery room. You may want a sanitary kitchen to prepare your food. But I am telling you that if you have a sanitary church, you don't have a sanctified church. Because a sanitary church cannot be sanctified for the purpose that it was created to engage in a relationship with the broken, the doomed, the damned, and the hurting. Amen. Oh, mercy. So, he tells the story. Which of you having a hundred sheep? Now, stay with me. He's surrounded by a bunch of people with doubtful reputations. He's surrounded by people who have their own reputation of success and prestige and all the prominence and pomp that goes with the success in this day and country, this day and time in this country. And he looks at the crowd and he says, which of you would have a hundred sheep? Now this is a heavy statement to the power of the story. Because first of all, we're dignified folks here. I mean, we, we, we wear the best robes. We wear the best garments. We have the best church. We have the most sanitary place to bring your children. They will not experience things that are out of your own cultural setting if they will just come here. They don't have to worry about people of a different ethnic group. They don't have to worry about people of a different socioeconomic class. Amen. Let me lean in here for a moment. They don't have to worry about that. We can go to church with people who are just like us. We can do religion with people who are just like us. And it can be safe. We don't have to worry about catching something. You remember last week I told you the story of Jackie Robinson and Branch Rickey and the story of the movie 42. And you may, if you ever saw that movie, there was a part in it where this one guy from Philadelphia was doing everything that he could to incite a, a riot in, in the heart of Jackie Robinson. And so after this game, the manager came to him of his own team. He was a coach. And he said, listen here, Skipper, he said, if you're going to lead this team, you've got to make an apology. And so as they go out there on the field to make an apology, Jackie Robinson says, if you're going to make an apology, you've got to do it publicly. You're not coming in my locker room and doing it privately. We're going to do it publicly on the field, on the mound, where everybody sees you. And so, man, here comes this guy. And, boy, he doesn't really want to be there, you know. And, and he's hating every minute of it. And so Jackie Robinson, with all of his humility and with all of his charisma and with all of his charm, looks at this guy and says, here. Why don't, instead of shaking hands, why don't we hold each end of the bat? That way your skin doesn't have to touch mine. Now you may remember that in our country there was a day and time that we really lived like that. And we may not be in that place anymore physically, but we are psychologically. Because when it comes to church, I mean, we don't mind working with people of different ethnic groups. We don't mind working with people of different orientations sexually. We don't mind working with people who speak different languages. But bless God, when I come into the house of God, it must be holy and sanctified and righteous back unto Him. Now, I know you don't like it, but we need it. So just bear with me for a moment. So he says, which of you would have a hundred sheep? Now, I'm going to tell you, when he looked at the righteous crowd, the religious crowd, the 99, you remember Jesus said? I got one, I got 99. When he looked at the 99 and said, which of you would have a sheep? 
charged them with being, with having the occupation of a shepherd. Now I'm going to tell you today, to be a shepherd was a pretty low class in biblical days. And it offended the righteous that he would even tee up a story that started with, which of you having a hundred sheep? It meant that they would have to look at themselves as a shepherd. Now, the only thing worse than looking at yourself as a shepherd was being a shepherd of pigs. <laughs> a herder of pigs, a corraler of pigs, a keeper of pigs. But the only thing worse than being a keeper of animals in this day, and please don't have any offense here, so let your guard down, ladies. I mean, we're, we're not talking about now, we're talking about biblical times. The only thing worse than being a shepherd in this day would have been a woman. Because many times in biblical days, women were treated just like poor, like just servants. It was how it was in biblical days. Now, here's what's interesting. In this parable, Jesus compares them to a shepherd. And guess what? In the next parable, you know who he compares them to? A woman. I'm telling you, he's just got the knife and they're gouging them. And he's saying, look at here, look at here, look at here. Which of you men would have a hundred sheep and you would lose one? And it went away, would not leave the 99 and go after the one. Now, there's two things that Jesus did here to really tick them off. Number one, he accused them of being shepherds. And then number two, he accused them of being poor stewards of the sheep. In other words, the Pharisees, the Pharisees would not say, I lost a sheep. They would say, the sheep went away. Are you with me? They wouldn't assume responsibility and say, I lost the sheep. They would say, the sheep went away. Well, we live in a world today where nobody wants to accept responsibility. I knew that Steve Spurrier was retiring from football after his epic beatdown in Death Valley last weekend, you know. But I didn't really expect him to quit right away. I mean, when I saw him on Sports Center, like, the dude quit. And so I found his speech, and he says, first of all, understand, and nobody told me to leave. I've left on my own. I'm not, I'm not retiring. I'm resigning. And everybody was saying, why would you do that? And he said, well, if I ever got to a place where I wouldn't win it anymore, I'd accept the responsibility and say, we need a new coach. And he accepted the responsibility. But we live in a world today just like these Pharisees, and we don't want to accept responsibility. We want it to be everybody else's fault. We want it to be the government. We want it to be the, the I mean, <clears throat> that's why lawyers and, and lawsuits are so crazy right now. Because not only do they, so, if you get in a wreck, they sue the person who hit them, and they sue the person who made the car, and they sue the person who made the CD that was in the CD player when they were listening to it. I mean, it just goes all the way down the line. Everybody has to have fault except the person who had the fault. Now, let me move on. I don't want to spend a lot of time there, but I think you're picking up what I'm putting down. Amen. And so he looks at this righteous crowd, and he's got the, the broken crowd intermingled here with a hodgepodge of dysfunction. And he looks at them and says, which of you being a shepherd? And boy, don't you know, I just fired him up. He just called me a shepherd. And so in this passage of Scripture, which of you would lose a sheep, would not go after it and try to find it? Now, there's three th four things I want you to write down. I gave you two last week. We must accept truth and we must receive grace. This week, 
There's four things I want you to write down. The good shepherd, did Jesus call himself the good shepherd? He called, Jesus spoke of himself as, I am the good shepherd. And so, <clears throat> he says, the good shepherd leaves 99 sheep to go after one. Now, is that what you understand about this parable your whole life? Now, in your mind, when you picture this, did you see, in your mind, when you imagine this story in Luke 15, did you imagine there being 99 sheep here and the shepherd turning his back on the 99 and walking away to go find one? Is that how you pictured it? Well, <clears throat> what we need to understand is that's what the story says happened. But the practical application of this is that there's no way because if he really left 99 to go after one would that really be a good shepherd i mean really but if you a man was a shepherd and he had 99 sheep can i tell you he's not out on the prairie by himself i mean come on 99 that's, that's a lot of sheep I don't care how good of a shepherd you may think you are. Finding and herding and corralling and leading and watching and caring for and nurturing 99, 100 sheep, that just isn't happening. So you see, he didn't just leave the sheep, but he left the sheep in good hands. Because there was people who was on his team who was caretakers with him. Now, in the same way, in the, in the spiritual realm for us, God doesn't leave us to ourselves, but the Bible says he gives his angels what? Charge over us. You remember the story of Job in chapter 1? Uh, Satan and God came together, they were having a conversation. He said, have you considered my servant Job? He said, shucks, yeah, man, I considered your servant Job. But man, you know I can't get to Job. You've got him hedged in. Who had him hedged in? God did. See, the good shepherd not only leaves when he needs to, but he leaves us in good hands. What did he tell him in John 14 with his disciples? He said, I must go away, but I'm not going to leave you like a bunch of orphans. I'm going to ask the Father to give you the promise of the Father, which was the gift of the Holy Spirit, who would possess us as children of God that would go with us no matter where we are. I'm not leaving you to wander around helpless, hopeless, with no direction, while I'm chasing after one little old rebellious lamb, but I'm leaving you in good hands. Now stay with me here for a minute, because this is very important. Because when you think about this, there's no way. There's no way. Matter of fact, this is why most churches never grow more than 150 people, because the, the people of the church, the sheep of the church, will not allow there to be other shepherds to come in and intermingle and care for and nurture them. It like has to be the pastor. And so that's one reason that family of grace, if you get sick or you're hurt, you never know who's going to show up because one shepherd can't do it all. It takes a team of shepherds to care for and nurture a group of this size. And so when we think about this, the, the good shepherd leaves the 99 in good hands. Now this is way before Allstate, amen. He is the good hands. And now when we think about this, and connect the dots. Look at how practical this is. 
that he left them. Now, now here's the other heavy thing about this. Get this, get this. He didn't send out the ranch hands to look for the sheep. Oh, mercy. He didn't go to the bottom man on the totem pole of the shepherding, the guy who, who, who may have been taking care of, of, of shearing them or, or, or all the, the, the lower task of the shepherd of the, of, the, of the ranch hands there. Here's what he did. The, the good shepherd looked at the hands and said, Watch out over the 99. I, the good shepherd, am going to look for the one. And I want you to know something today, my brothers and sisters, that when we find ourselves at wit's end corner, I want you to know that it's God. God himself is walking the dark hills, going through the valley of the shadow of death. It's God himself that is sitting by your bedside. It's God himself who is chasing after us with reckless love that he might bring us back into the fold. I don't know about you, but I thought that was a pretty good point. When it came time for somebody to become the sacrifice, he didn't send an angel, but he sent his son. For God so loved the world, he gave his son to be the payment for our sin. Not only does a good shepherd leave the 99 in good hands, but the good shepherd searches for the wayward sheep, as I just said. And as a church, it must be our mission like Jesus to seek and to save those that are lost. Are they of your ethnic group? So what? Are they of your socioeconomic group? So what? Are they of your culture group? Are they of your affinity group? Are they of your hobby group? Who cares? They're children of the most holy God. The good shepherd not only searches for him, but he carries him back to the fold. Sometimes, we as children of God, we just need a piggyback ride. And God knew that. That's why in Romans 8 and 28, he says, when you find yourself in a predicament that you don't even know how to pray, it says the Spirit would intercede for us with groanings that can't be understood by man. Sometimes you need the Holy Spirit to give you a piggyback ride. Sometimes, guys, we need somebody with skin on to come put their arms around us. When we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. When we're walking through the valley of financial despair. When we're walking through the valley of divorce. When we're walking through the valley of, of losing a child. When we're walking through the valley of cancer. When we're walking through the valley of heart disease. When we're walking through the valley. 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 We need somebody full of the Holy Ghost to come along beside us and say, I am here. I am present. I am an ambassador of the Holy God who is coming to walk along beside you that I may help you that I may implore you that I may equip you that I may encourage you and if you can't go anymore I may put you on my spiritual back and give you a piggyback ride sometimes sometimes we need the good shepherd to be there for us and then last of all sometimes we need the good shepherd to throw us a party. But you see, what we see here in this passage of Scripture is that he left 99 in the field to go after the lost one, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder. I'm not making this up. It's right here. <laughs> Underline it. 
That's how I knew that sheep needed a piggyback ride. Because a shepherd put him on his shoulder and carried him back to the fold. And coming home, he calls his friends and his neighbors and all the other ranch hands saying, Would you come rejoice with me? Because I have found my little lost lamb. Now there's something you need to understand about sheep. That when sheep get lost, when they go their way and they're separated, they don't do anything to be found. When they panic, when they panic, they hunker down. And they find refuge in whatever they can find refuge in. And they don't do anything to find themselves. A lot like us. We will find ourselves hunkered down in the fetal position sometimes. Yeah, grown men get in the fetal position when it gets bad enough. When the storm clouds are dark enough. And the rain's falling, the wind's blowing, the lightning's popping in your spiritual world and your emotional world and your physical world. Yeah, it'll put grown men in the field position. And when we find ourselves as humans hunkered down in wits in corner, overwhelmed by disparity, you've given up. And it's at that moment that the good shepherd comes and looks for us and begins to speak. It's that still, small voice that says, don't give up. Don't let up. Keep on keeping on. Keep on going. And when he finds that sheep, he brings him back and says, look at what I have found. Today, God is looking for you. If he's already found you, he's looking for somebody who will go be his hands, his feet will come along beside one another. The shepherd said, would you rejoice with me? For I have found the one. Now let's wrap this up. He says, I tell you, there's more joy in heaven over one rebellious sheep, which is a person, over one rebellious person who's hunkered down in the corner of despair and makes it back to the fold than over 99 that are filled with self-righteousness. See, if they were really righteous, if they were really righteous and had a relationship, there would be the, the celebration in heaven over all those. He wouldn't love the one more than the 99. See, the problem is when, 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 the, when the 99 got in the in the relationship and not in religion, the, the celebration is always happening. There's always a thanksgiving for what God's doing. And so now there's a hundred sheep, there's a hundred people is what he's saying. And there's 99 that are dignified. There are 99 that think they've got it all together. There's 99 that are sanitary. there's only one that's causing heaven to rejoice and it's the one little lost lamb that found the favor of the shepherd and allowed the shepherd to carry him back have you ever tried to pick up a lamb they can do some 
some wiggling. I mean, they can do some kicking. I'm going to tell you, it'd be pretty hard for a grown man to carry a kicking sheep all the way back to the fold. But when that sheep hears the voice of the good shepherd, he doesn't put up a fight. Because he knows that good shepherd is there to protect him. He lets that shepherd put him on his shoulder and carry him.